Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and as a part of Gestalt IT, I work with the group to bring you the perspectives and opinions of a group of IT luminaries, experts in their field in just about everything there is to do with enterprise IT. I'd like to take a moment for everybody to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise or the topic of today's episode, starting with Pat. Hello, Pat Allen. I'm a network architect for Customers Bank here on the East Coast, a small regional bank, and um, one third of the co-host of the podcast, Breaking Down the Bytes. So happy to be here. Thanks, Tom. I'm Drew Connery Murray. Uh, I am a writer and podcaster over at PacketPushers.net. Uh, hi, I'm Ali. Um, I work as a solutions architect for uh, VAR. Um, happy to be here. My first NFD. So excited about it. All right. Well, thank you all very much for joining us. Let's jump into the topic, the premise for today's episode. We've heard a lot about new exciting advances in technology all the time. There's some new bit of hardware or software coming out that will solve all of our problems. But are we really rethinking the way that we do networking? I heard that term a lot when we were talking about software-defined networking, and I'll give you a little spoiler. We really weren't. But there is a new idea on the horizon that is promising that we're going to completely revolutionize the way that infrastructure networking is done. That's network as a service. You may have heard it referred to as NAAS. And it has a lot of people curious about what's going to happen. It has a lot of people worried for their jobs. So the premise for today's episode, is network as a service going to be the end of engineering roles? I'm going to open it up to the panel here because I, I maybe I'm a little bit confused, but I hear network as a service from people. And I think I know what it is, but then I hear somebody else define it completely differently. So I want to get your perspective on this. What do you feel like network as a service is? Well, based on what I'm hearing from uh, different vendors, it depends on who's selling you what. Uh, there are some vendors who position network as a service as will come in and essentially manage your network for you, uh, sort of like a managed service offering. Uh, and then the other flavor is you know, we'll get you a virtual switch, a virtual router, spin that up and also provide you the connectivity. Uh, and there's usually some kind of uh, public cloud element to that. So I, I guess I, my first question is which, which NAS are we talking about? No, I've always thought of network as a service as uh, more of the, the managed service side of that, you know, coming from an MSP perspective or, um, you know, hey, you know, you don't have the, the, the people or the expertise in a small shop. So farm that out to, you know, an MSP and let them kind of take it over. So um, network as a service is always kind of, hey, you know, from coming from that managed, uh, you know, an arm of the managed service machine, if you will. With, with a lot of things, I think it, um, one of the word I, you know, we kind of say it a lot, like it depends. Uh, um, because uh, just depending on what kind of service it is, kind of like, you know, back to what Drew mentioned, uh, it, it can not necessarily, it can help the organization and also the IT teams and even network engineers, because I remember working in enterprise as a network engineer, getting pulled in like, you know, 20 different directions, right? Do this, do this, that done. I mean, just different projects getting thrown at you and all that kind of stuff. So resources is always like, you know, we're limited in resources, bodies that can actually do uh, some technical tasks and companies where if a network as a service comes in and take takes over maybe, I don't know, layer two portion of that network and kind of handle that. And I can then focus on some bigger projects and handle layer three and security and some other uh, critical aspects of the network and not having to deal with like layer two and, and, and access layer, 
that frees up a lot of my time. And then I can focus on, on, on crucial pieces of the network. So in a way, what you're saying is, is that if you can have somebody to offload parts of your network, it would help you out as opposed to, you know, something more akin to what Pat was saying, where I just outsource all of the operations of my uh, IT infrastructure from a network perspective to somebody else who just comes in and configure stuff. And I essentially treat it like a cloud where it's like somebody else deals with the hard part. I just, you know, tell them what I need and it's taken care of. I think that depends on the organization, right? What their requirements are. So, I mean, I see that I, I see it a, a fit in certain for certain organization, not not in every single enterprise. I mean, think about a large enterprise. They're not going to want to kind of have that much control. For example, just just hand it out to some someone outside. Uh, they're going to want to have their network engineers and uh, architects that are internal and kind of taking care of their network, right? I mean. I don't think any big enterprise is going to want to give away that full control. Hey, Mr. Vendor, you just take over my network and that's it, right? It it, it will only go, I believe there, there will be limits to that. I think my feeling about network as a service, if we're talking about it as a managed service, is that it always kind of sounds better than it's going to be. And I'm thinking about sort of the IT world's experience with outsourcing 1.0, where everybody shipped a lot of software development and operational stuff uh, to workers who tended to be overseas and the quality just wasn't great. It tended to cause more headaches than it solved. Um, managed services for all kinds of things have been around uh, forever and they have not fully displaced internal IT teams because as a managed service, you know, they sort of have to have pretty vanilla um, offerings and a lot of organizations have, you know, their, their snowflakey or special needs uh, that uh, an MSP can't necessarily fix. So is it going to take away jobs? I don't think so. Although the thing that could be different about this time around is that cloud managed networking is now a thing. Uh, so with multi-tenancy, it could conceivably be easier for a large networking vendor or an outsourcer to come in and manage uh, your wireless network, your uh, LAN, whatever, because it's all happening in the cloud anyway. And if they set it up as multi-tenancy, maybe that's a better experience than sort of a traditional, you know, you need to have bodies in the office managing the routers and switches uh, in a, a traditional MSP engagement. You bring up a good point there, Drew, but I think we're kind of dancing around the, the, the problem of the, because those are all operations tasks, right? If I, and we, that's some of what we do with the cloud, we farm this out to people and we tell them, okay, well, we'll, we'll make sure that your software is updated and all that other stuff. But some of the companies who are talking about doing network as a service are not talking about farming out the operation of it. They're talking about farming out everything from soup to nuts, hardware acquisition, hardware installation, hardware management. And that kind of falls more on the engineering side of the house as opposed to operations staff, you know, planning out what your your um, IP address scheme is going to look like or, you know, which switches do we need in the data center versus the edge and things like that. And and that's one of the things that keeps coming up for a lot of folks, because like yeah, operations teams, we don't care. And especially if you're used to working like in a VAR environment, your job is to go out and build networks. You're not going to run them after you put them in. You're just going to install and, and walk away. But they're the the companies, and well, I mean, one of the names that keeps popping up, one of the ones that will be presenting at Networking Field Day 32 is Nile. Nile is a company who walks in and says, we, we're going to just completely replace all of your hardware and, and we'll take care of the whole thing. And, and that, I think that's where some people are starting to ask the question, well, if they're taking care of the engineering stuff, does that mean I don't need to be doing engineering anymore? I, I have a twofold thought about that. I, coming from like kind of piggybacking what Ali said in bigger environments, I think there's more to it than just 
oh, we're going to farm everybody out and everybody's going to be fat and happy. I, I think there's, I, I think there's audit involved in that. There's risks. There's you know third party risks. Like all that has to be discussed. Depending on what what industry you're in, you know, coming from the finance industry, that's a heavily regulated industry. So you have to really know who's who you're kind of handing the keys to, if you will. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the other part of that is I think it's it's sort of new to let up that sort of control from an engineering perspective. Cause uh, you know, at least for me um, when it comes to it things and maybe if you ask my wife, some, some personal things too, like, you know, you have a bit of that control aspect and you need to control, you know, various things around you. So if you're letting that go to, you know, a, a third party and just saying here, do it, uh, that, you know, that, that, oh my God, I'm not in control of every aspect can really kind of, it, it's, it's a new wave of thinking. There's a shift happening there. And I just, uh, you know, but, but for me, I think the, the business requirements or how your business is structured, um, like I said, audit, third party risk, all that has to be heavily vetted before you just go and be like, here you go. You know, you start next week, you know, have at it. I see your point, Pat. Regulated industries are always going to be a group of people that kind of keep very tight rein on things because they don't want other people touching what they're doing. But at the same time, we've seen regulated industries moving to the cloud. We've seen regulated industries adopting more um, in-depth network automation. Those are two boogeymen that I've been hearing about for a long time that are going to take my jobs, that are never going to be involved in this organization because I don't like the way that that does it. And yet, here we are, it's as of the time of this recording, 2023, and those things are kind of basically like they're they're a settled problem. You know, you're going to be in the cloud if you can be in the cloud. Um, you're going to use automation if you can use automation. Like we don't we don't use that as like, oh, you know, you better watch out. So do you feel like that those regulated industries are just going to put the brakes on people trying to come in and take over the service wholesale? Or is it going to be kind of one of those things like boiling a frog where eventually we get to a point where people are going to adopt it because they figured out that the benefits outweigh the potential costs from a regulatory perspective. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, if you look at traditional things of, you know, the move to the cloud a couple of years ago, more than a couple now, but, you know, um, you know governments and um, hospitals, things of that nature with very sensitive data, uh, were sort of slow to, to, to move to the cloud because of, you know, various regulated reasons and, and whatnot. But they're, they're basically, you know, they're basically here now. And I, I'm hearing the same thing you are, Tom, for the last, you know, couple of years. Oh, you know, automation is going to take, uh, going to take the network shot. Like I've been hearing the network engineer is, is a legacy dinosaur for literally almost 20 years. <laughs> so it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Either. So I, I think the new boogeyman then as well, or you could couple, uh, you could couple AI in with those couple of things too, of like, Hey, it's going to take your job and blah, blah, blah. I don't really think it's going to do any of that. I think you're still going to need bodies, but you're going to have to work with these newer technologies and the person that can, wrap their head around these newer technologies and work with it or side by side and make their jobs easier. I think that's the best of the blend as far as from a network engineering perspective, you're going to have a, there, there's room for everybody. It just depends on how you harness it as a network person. Yeah. Handling that risk is going to be an important piece, right? Like, so regulated industries, or if we're talking industries like where, um, you know, if you're down for like, I don't know, 30 minutes, you might lose like, I don't know, $10,000, right. Or 
you know, and you keep adding that, right? And it could it, it could get pretty crazy. So what happens in that case? I mean, if you give your keys to your kingdom to somebody else uh, who's managing it, I'm sure there will be SLAs and everything that involved with it. But in an environment like that, I mean, can they afford to be down for two hours? Uh, versus if they do have an, an engineers on site and everything like that, think about it, they can immediately, or, and if it's an issue that is like at a layer three and higher, uh, they can, engineer can actually immediately fix that issue, let's say in 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes versus have to wait for an, for a managed vendor to you know find an engineer and resource and dispatch them and whatever time it takes for them to get there and figure out what exactly happened. Plus also those engineers are not every day working on your network. I mean, they're working and touching multiple different networks, right? I mean, if you're managing a network, you're in that network all day, every day, you know it in and out. So you can probably hit that problem and fix it most likely much faster than somebody else who kind of come in and catch up first and figure out. And then, you know, so some of these things kind of have to kind of worry about it too. Like it, it fits the industry definitely in, in certain case scenarios, but uh, again, you know, it will just depend on the organization and the risk and need. If somebody just absolutely does not have the resources, budget, um, and, and uh, you know, I can definitely see them kind of moving towards this um, education, for example, can actually is, I, I, can, I can see this a big deal in education. I think there are certain markets that are probably amenable to uh, network as a service because they've always been uh, wanting to get rid of the, the operational costs of, of having IT. Um, and those organizations that don't necessarily regard, uh, you know, their technology stack as giving them a competitive differentiator. And so that makes sense. If they're strictly looking at IT as a, as a cost, then removing headcount and bringing somebody else in to solve that problem for them makes sense. I think that's a pretty small portion of the market. So, uh, and I also, the other question is, can you name me an industry that's not regulated in some way where those kind of concerns aren't going to come up with an outsourcer? Yeah, I think that's a, that's pretty fair. There's always going to be a, a challenge to how that's going to work. Um, but one thing that, that I, I, I heard in this conversation that kind of made me curious was this idea that AI is going to be a huge component of this. I believe Pat brought it up that, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, AI is, is going to be a challenge for network engineers and, and the way that we configure and automate systems. I've, I've heard talk from some companies that perhaps there won't even be a need for AI with network as a service because AI is designed to solve problems that are created by poor implementations. And with their implementation, it won't be done poorly. There won't be any misconfiguration of firmwares or settings or things like that. So I don't need to turn a, an AI agent loose on the network to fix my problems. They just won't exist. Do you think that that argument holds water? Nope. I've no, <laughs> spoken like somebody who's worked on a network before. I always think there's going to be some sort of human element to the network game that we've been, you know, playing in the last uh, however many years. But uh, and, and AI, you know, is a is a, I don't know, safety valve for uh, you know human error or, or tries to be, uh, depending on what stage it's at. But uh, now, nah, like I said before, I think I think people that learn to use AI as a tool in the networking space or really any space. Um, you know, from a career perspective, I think those are going to be the ones that are, you know, the more well-off and sort of ahead of the curve, if you will, um, in the next uh, couple of years to see where this uh, this AI-driven world takes us. But uh, I, there's always going to be a human element to it. And kind of going back to, to Drew's point, I think Drew made the point of, you know, or maybe it was Ali about outsourcing that, uh, you know, the, the network as a service and, and, you know, not having that, that, 
dedicated service engineer that knows your network in and out. Uh, I think that's a big one too, trying to find the right fit and trying to see, okay, you know, yeah, I have a problem, you know, but you know, who do I get on the phone and do they really know our, our, you know, our network to really fix it in a bind and, you know, things of that nature. So I, I think that's a big one too, is find the right fit. And then, you know, again, with the AI, if they use those tools correctly, um, kind of get it all together in the same, in the same soup, if you will, I think that really helps, um, you know, the, the, the industry going forward. I think anybody who comes up to you and says, we're going to set up the perfect network that's never going to need any fixes or anything because we're going to do it right the first time, you should run the other way because that networks aren't static. Uh, IT systems aren't static. There's always going to be changes. I need a, a different access control. I need a new authorization. I need to connect something that hasn't been connected before. I'm adding new users. I'm adding new services. I'm adding new applications. Uh, you can't expect to build something from the ground up that's perfect and never needs to be touched. And if someone's telling you they can't do that, they're lying. Or they're building you a network you can never touch and change or do anything. It's just got to run in a box. So take a pick. And how many networks are always built like Greenfield, right? I mean, a lot of them, you're always migrating, right? It's always a migration. And then migration is not like, I mean, we're talking, there might be three vendors in there. And then you got this automation happening. Then, I mean, I had this one network that I worked on, I remember. I called it an every vendor network. I mean, we had anything from Linksys all the way to Cisco and Arista, for example, right? So, so migration, my, doing some kind of migration in that and adding the automation piece to it, you're going to need like boots on the ground. You're going to need hands, you know, being able to console into devices at times here and there. Um, they're, they're all, I, I, I look at it more of a, it will complement the network engineers and their jobs uh, and, and get to the root cause possibly like in certain scenarios faster and, and free up my time as an enterprise engineer, like to do other things and learn more skills. That's kind of like, I think, I think I look at it. <laughs> I'd say you're right. It's uh, I at least in my experience as a as a former engineer, no no network survives having users on it. But yet we see this all the time in in cloud companies. Uh, you know, they're they're we don't touch that hardware. We don't interact with the layer one and even a lot of the layer two devices. Everything is a layer three hop away, and yet somehow we're able to work that. So what is the magic that they're using? that we're not seeing here. And, I, and I'm, I'm asking the question because I assume that the value that the network as a service providers are trying to offer is that cloud-like experience in on-prem equipment. So the thing about the, the, the cloud model is that I think what it showed is that the hardware itself doesn't really matter. Um, you know, what matters is what you do on top of it, the configurations, um, all the permissions you set up, the way you connect it with other systems, that's what matters. And that all happens at the software layer. So it's not about just coming in and racking and stacking. Yes, you have to get that right, but that's just the beginning. And where all the tricky bits are, are in the software layers, in the permissions and the configurations and the connectivity. So just saying it's a hardware-based solution that only gets you like the foot in the door in terms of the problems you need to solve. I mean, in fact, what, the thing you're building is going to create the problems. It's not about hardware. It's not a hardware issue. Yeah, so the cloud, one, one quick point I wanted to kind of make was, uh, yes, it's in the cloud, but there's, they have their own whole team of engineers that are handling that hardware, right? So it's not like they're taking, I mean, that's, those keys are given to some other vendor, right? I mean, yes, it's, 
we we are we migrated everything to cloud to us it's it's transparent but they have a whole team of engineers that are handling all that hardware making changes whatever we want done and maintaining it backing it up and all that kind of stuff right versus in this case network as a service is a little different because it's not technically in the cloud we have actually network gear on prem i mean it's you know and they don't have their engineers sitting like at every single one of my sites yeah, I would, I would just say uh, it, it does feel like um, there's always, like I said, there's always going to be a human element to it. Somebody's managing it on the back end. It just it just depends on how abstracted from the actual front line do you really want to be, um, you know, and, and MSPs are a little further back and VARs are a little further back from there. And it just, you know, it depends on how, how deep you want to go. But um, yeah, I, I think network as a service, I think it, it, it applies to more of the smaller uh, folks that uh, just, you know, either don't have time, don't have the expertise to, to, you know, to do that or, or to be that, uh, to be that person to run that department, whatever. And then, you know, you kind of farm it out and uh, you know, as long as you're dictating your business needs to, Whoever your you know your uh, network as a service provider is, they if they're agile enough uh, to to change with you, then you know it may be it may be a good fit. But it just depends on how far back you want to be from you know from the front line sort of thing. But it, I still think it is physical. There's somebody that's going to have to manage it. It just depends on you know how how many layers of covers do you do you put in front of your face? You know that kind of thing. So I'm going to have you put your um, skeptic hat on for just a minute. And uh, someone is coming to talk to you about network as a service. And, and you know that this isn't going to be good for you. But you want to ask the question to help them help you understand what the value is. What question would you ask of a network as a service provider, vendor, you name it, to help them allay your fears about whether or not network as a service has any value and whether or not it's going to cost people jobs? Well, I think it goes back to my thing earlier as far as that control aspect right you're giving the keys up to you know uh, a third party a vendor or whatever because at the end of the day right if you're still if you're still a network engineer but you've farmed out x y or z whatever layer you want to talk about and something goes wrong with that layer like the the business you're the you're the front line if something is broke, I'm going to this person because it's a network problem. Even though you farmed it out, now you got to go chase your network as a service person. But you're on the front line. You're you're standing in front of the bus from a business perspective. So, like you're you're ultimately you're responsible for the network. Now, however many pieces you farm out of that said network or what happens behind the covers is irrelevant to the person that's down or to the business unit that needs you know help. So. To me, it's a control aspect of, okay, I'm going to give you these keys, but do I have access to do X, Y, and Z? And that's, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't like giving up that sort of control, especially if you're, you know, an old school network person who is literally used to managing everything from A to Z. Giving up some of that control can really be like a culture shock to to, to some of these folks and depending on how you're, how you're wired and whatnot. But ultimately, you are responsible for your your business's network uh, now you have to there's more pieces to chase and more you know um uh ideologies to balance or um personalities to to, to kind of sway depending on you know what kind of fires are burning i i can if i can do two questions i would ask uh, and i think pat this is kind of like what you were getting at what is the boundary between what is your technical problem and my technical problem or when does a technical problem 
become my problem. Uh, and the second question I would ask them is, you tell me about my business. What does my business do? What is what is the most valuable thing about my business? And if they can't answer that question, then maybe that's not the best solution for you. Uh, in my case, I, I mean, Pat hit, you know, pretty much all the points. Control is like one of the most important thing I would ask, like, because in the end, I mean, I made a decision to move. Uh, I'll be making a decision, like, should I decide to go, you know, that route, whether it's, it's whether you handle layer two and whether you're going all the way up to distribution or core or whatever. So how fast you can respond back to me in case of an issue and what your SLA, you know, obviously I need to know what your SLAs look like, right? And then if I'm not satisfied with them, well, how much, how much of visibility that you're giving me so I can take care of that problem so, so my job, because my job is on the line. It's five nines. It's all five nines. <laughs> Somebody's nines, right? Well, I think that the, the topic of network as a service isn't quite as clean as we would like it to be. There's a lot of nuance to it, just like there is in everything. You know, as, as Ali said, as one of our favorite answers when it comes to enterprise IT is it really depends. Are you a large organization that needs control over your things or is someone telling you you need control over them? Are you a small organization that doesn't have the expertise and just wants to have somebody else take care of it? Are you a hodgepodge of equipment that barely is fitting together now as it is? Do you just want to rip everything out and fix it, but you don't want to have the time invested in it to do things that you may not need again? There's a lot of reasons why someone would consider network as a service. I don't think it gets rid of the need to have engineering any more than modern construction materials don't get rid of the need to have someone who knows how to put them together because it's not always putting them together like Lego bricks. Everything isn't going to fit nice and neatly because you're going to run into something that doesn't fit the pattern. And that's where the real value of having a human in the organization is. So don't think that networking as a service is going to get rid of your job. Think of it more as a way to get rid of the job, things that you don't necessarily like so much but make sure you're asking the right questions so you understand what's going to be involved in how this is going to augment your existing skill set. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we have a new episode every couple of weeks, so make sure that you tune in on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also check out more great conversations like this one during our next Networking Field Day event, which will be happening July 26th and 27th. You can go to techfieldday.com for more information about the lineup of presenters and delegates that will be uh, taking part in it. We should be back with another great episode soon. Until then, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you then.